1: See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos.
3: Perfect home sweet home.
4: That shot was the most biggest shot in the world. To this day, I think about that shot. When I see him, I just see that replay. That's what, you know that one shot, that's what you call some mother, excuse me, confidence. Confidence. And that's what I that's how I play in anything I do: music, golf, basketball, whatever. I know I'm good, I know I'm great, but my confidence level is just next level. The way he got that ball and just made that
5: shot, come on. James outside, three in the air. Off the rim, no good. Rebound five, seven seconds. Ray Allen, a three for the corner. It's good! Allen, a three!
4: Yeah, that was legendary.
6: Ray Allen's three-pointer that sent game six of the 2013 finals to overtime, where the Heat would eventually save their season, was one of those you-remember-where-you-were-when-it-happened moments. But for the teams involved, the feelings after Game 6 were just as vivid, and they would spill over onto the floor for Game 7, when another confident jump shot would close the deal for Miami. Welcome back to 4 Years of Heat. I'm your host, Israel Gutierrez, and this is Episode 7, The Peak, Ray Allen described the reaction to hitting a big three-point shot as a bomb going off. The Spurs entered Game 7 as if Allen's three-pointer was a literal explosion. Mentally, they were tattered. You could almost hear it in Manu Ginobili's voice after the game. We were
7: a few seconds away from winning the championship, and we let
6: it go. There was just one off day between Game 6 and 7 and Spurs coach Greg Popovich tried to bring the team together for a dinner that would help them regroup. Manu Ginobili was particularly hard on himself after only scoring nine points and missing one of the late free throws that helped Miami recover. Matt Bonner remembers how difficult it was for everyone to shake the sense of loss.
8: I remember after the game that night, it was awful. Like, it it started out awful. Like, it, it was just such a feeling of defeat, uh, you know, a, cr- a crushing feeling. Uh, I remember Manu was really being really hard on himself because he didn't have the greatest game. I don't know how what I could compare it to metaphorically. Everybody's really upset. I've, it felt like, all right, we're going to lose by 50 in Game 7. Like, we got nothing left mentally, psychologically. We're just completely spent and defeated. And, you know, in, in typical Coach Pop fashion, he loves dinners and the, commu- you know, healing over food. And I remember we went to an Italian place and had a really long team dinner. And by the end of the dinner, we were kind of like, refilled the cup. All right, we still have another game to play, we still have another crack at this and everybody was feeling a lot better.
6: The series had already taken everything out of Bonner physically, as he wasn't even an option in the season-ending game. The Spurs were noticeably off. Ginobili managed something of a bounce-back effort with 18 points, but the rest of the group had no spring. Danny Green, who set the record for most threes in a final series two games earlier, was zapped of his powers, missing 11 of 12 shots. Tim Duncan tried to erase the memory of Game 6 with 24 points, 12 rebounds, 4 steals, and a block. But there was no recovering. Not with just a day between games. Not in the same building. Mario Chalmers was on the winning side, and he believed even his team was running on empty. Like, I still, to this day, I say Game 6 is probably the hardest game i ever had to play in my life. And it
4: was just... What it took to come back, what it took like the the mental part of it, the actual playing part of it. That game drained a lot of a lot of players. That game, a lot of people was emotionally drained and physically drained from that game. So I remember when we made the locker room, it was just like, you know, we really did that. Like we really came back and put ourselves in this moment right here against, you know, some of the greats. So Tim Duncan's a Hall of Famer, Manu Hall of Famer, Greg Popovich a Hall of Famer, Tony Hall of Famer. So it was kind of like. Like, to be able to do that against those caliber and quality of guys, it's like, you know, we really just did something special in that game six. So let's not take this for granted. Let's not make this game six one of the greatest games to lose in game seven and not make this championship worth having. So that mindset was
6: just leave it all on the line. This is game seven. This is what you, you built for. This is what you play for. It's these moments right here. It was actually the game six moments that'll be remembered as the most exciting with Allen's shot replaying for eternity. It's been 10 years since that shot, and maybe 20 years from now, people will incorrectly remember it as a series winning shot in game seven instead of the shot that tied game six. But it might as well be remembered that way because losing game seven for Miami wasn't an option. The sports gods couldn't possibly be that cruel. Jackie McMullen had seen something similar before Working as a reporter in the 1986 World Series, she was waiting by the Red Sox clubhouse preparing to interview Boston pitcher Bruce Hurst, who looked like he'd be named MVP of the series as the Sox were leading the series and Game 6 by two runs in the 10th inning. As the wait for Hurst grew oddly long, McMullen made it back out to the field in time to see the score was now tied And New York Mets batter, Mookie Wilson, hit a ground ball that would slide under the glove of first baseman, Bill Buckner, and into the outfield, allowing the Mets to score a third run in the inning and extend the series. The way most people remember it, that Buckner play alone cost the Red Sox the World Series. In reality, the Sox had an extended chance to recover, but really, how could they? Here's Jackie.
9: People remember what they want to remember. So the Red Sox lose that game, and there's a rain delay the next day. They have to wait a whole nother day. But you knew they, there was just no way they could win Game 7. It was just impossible to happen.
6: The Mets won Game 7, forever framing Buckner as a GOAT. The negative version of that word. The Heat would approach Game 7 with a GOAT of their own. You know which version of that word I mean. LeBron James may have needed Ray Allen to extend the series, but he wasn't going to rely on anyone else to win it. It was the most statistically odd game of the series. Game sevens traditionally are, and following the emotional roller coaster of Game six, you could almost predict this game would be a strange one.
10: One game on our home floor to bring home another championship, man. This is everything that we worked for all season long. All the sacrifices we've made to each other, dog. Every single day, dog. Every single minute. They say hard work pay off, man. So, so let's make that statement
6: become true, all right?
3: And here we go, Game seven of the finals.
6: In fact. The game six hero wouldn't score a point in game seven, but Allen had already seen what his game six shot did for his teammates, and based on their reactions, he had a strong feeling they'd complete the deal. There was something wrong with me. I think it was my
11: finger, like my finger. Like I, I don't know. Like I broke a, a tendon, so it like kind of it went limp. So I had to get this splint on it. So for the longest time, I couldn't I couldn't pick my finger up. It was it looked. Like it just, the, the nerve, I don't know what happened to me. So I was in the training room before uh, practice. And, you know, this was going to the game seven. We I walk in, I was in the tra- training room, all the guys were in the, in the locker room. And I walk in, and uh, Mike Miller goes, There he is. And, you know, everybody was in there. And it was like the ultimate sign of respect, you know. Um, and, and later on, he says, He. I was like, I told him, I said, bro, you hit a shot, with your shoe off. He goes, bro, if you didn't hit that shot, we wouldn't be here today. And I just remember just feeling, you know, such a great feeling to know that you did your job when your team needed you to do your job, you know, to do something. And, and, and it's more than your job. It's going above and beyond hitting, doing something that, you know, put your team in a situation to win a game. Where you, you you gain the most, the utmost of respect from all your peers. That that is one of the greatest feelings, and one of the reasons that you play this game to be able to be relied upon to be you know by your team, you know by
6: the organization. Game seven was a win for the organization, but LeBron James would have to do most of the heavy lifting. That's because Allen wasn't the only scoreless Heat player. Mike Miller started and didn't score in 19 minutes. Chris Bosh played 28 scoreless minutes and was in some early foul trouble. Even ultra-confident Mario Chalmers was one of seven from three-point range in the game. There were three constants in this one, however. Dwayne Wade's mid-range jumper was on. He hit 11 field goals for his 23 points.
5: 8 seven is tied. James kicks it out. Wade fakes across the lane, flicks it up and in.
6: So was LeBron's jumper. He hit five threes in that game.
5: James will try another three. Pucks it in. LeBron James, fourth three-pointer of the game. James, again, look how far off they're playing. He'll try it again. It's good. LeBron James making the Spurs pay.
6: And there was one bench contributor. After not scoring in double figures in his first six games, Shane Battier exploded for six three-pointers in eight tries for 18 critical points.
5: James, open, up top, Chalmers, Battier for three, bang!
6: The only other points off the bench were three from Chris Anderson. Here's Chalmers on how rewarding the finish was for Battier. I felt great for Shane, you know, Shane's a great guy, um, great dude, great person. And it was just to see
4: him, you know, get beat up by David West, get beat up by Roy Hitler, get beat up by Kendrick Perkins and KG. It was just like like you basically helped us get to where we are just by taking blows and getting beat up, just putting your body on the line. Six for eight from that in a closeout game after what you just went through, it just shows like the the grown-upness he had about it. It's just like, yeah, you can't you can keep beating me up, keep beating me up, but you're not gonna get me down. And I'm still gonna be here if you need
5: me. James, kicks it out the corner, Battier, pucks it in, five for five for Battier.
4: Yeah, it was like, we were in the NBA for a reason. No matter if you're a defender or whatever your role is, you're still a basketball player at the end of the day. And Shane showed that, like, I'm one of the greatest defenders to play this game,
6: but I can also shoot. And I can also make big buckets. And you can also count on me in those moments. Among the most memorable images of that Game 7 were the fist pumps from Battier after his fifth and sixth threes of the game. Both of them crucial in a contest where neither team had the energy to pull away.
5: Down the floor, LeBron stepped through to Battier for three. Got it! Battier from downtown!
6: Neither team would score more than 18 points in the first quarter. Neither team would lead by more than six in the second half. Here's Battier.
7: It's a weird game. And if I watch it, you know, obviously I've watched it multiple times. And it was just one of those games where it's just like, it, it just crap happens. And the ball just didn't find CB. And, you know, LeBron obviously was was dominant. D. Wade had 20 something. Um, but it was never a, a, a point where it was like, CB, we need more from you. Like we knew C V was battling Tim Duncan. We knew he was he was unbelievable in the pick and roll, uh, you know, blocking shots. And so it was never like, oh, C V, come on, pick up your game. No, he was awesome that game. He just didn't score, which is which is bizarre. But he played like an awesome game for someone who went scoreless.
6: <laughs> in a late timeout, with the Spurs summoning every last ounce of energy, Greg Popovich reminded his team how close they still were to a title.
5: Guys, it's the last game of the year. The last two teams standing, play like everything out there. They got talent. We got to beat them with all of us.
6: In the final minute, with the Heat leading by just two points, the Spurs scrambled to secure a rebound off a of Battier missed three. In the chaotic transition back to the Spurs end, Battier found himself defending Duncan near the rim. With Battier on his back, Duncan took a dribble and swept across the lane for a short hook shot he's hit thousands of times. He missed the hook shot, then gently tipped the rebound that he easily reached over Battier. He missed that also.
5: Under a minute remaining. Green nearly lost it. Back to Ginobili. Inside Duncan. Across the lane. Duncan misses the tip. No good. And Bosh the rebound. Heat clinging to a two-point lead. And a point-blank miss by Duncan and then the follow. Timeout,
6: Miami! Duncan slammed the floor as the Heat dribbled the ball up the court and called a timeout. Six years earlier in the finals, Duncan was all smiles, thanking LeBron in a not-so-private moment afterward for allowing him to have that championship before James inevitably took over the league.
10: Good job, man. Good job. Thanks, man. I love how you're on Stay that, way, man. Stay that way. Drive these guys. going be your league in a little while. I, should, but, uh, I appreciate you giving us this here.
12: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Back in those 2007 finals, Popovich took advantage of LeBron's unreliable outside shooting and swept the Cavaliers. Fast forward back to this game seven, with the Heat leading by just two and a chance to seal a second consecutive championship effectively doing as Duncan predicted in 2007, with less than 40 seconds remaining. LeBron James took the inbound pass and faced the defense of Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs weren't switching defenders on LeBron, so Kawhi would have to work through any screens to stick to him. James used a Chalmers screen and got barely enough space to square up from 19 feet, just beyond the right edge of the free throw line. With Leonard trying desperately to contest the attempt after initially playing James for the drive, as was the game plan the entire series, James rose up for a championship level dagger that was yet another example of his growth. It was the exact shot Greg Popovich had been giving LeBron for a decade plus.
5: James pulls up, puts it in, four point lead. Timeout San Antonio.
6: LeBron snatched his second steal of the game in the ensuing possession, forcing the Spurs to foul and sending the crowd into something of a controlled frenzy. Remember, the Heat had just come back in stunning fashion in game six, so there was a respectful fear. Not even the gold ropes meant as much as they used to. But the clock would eventually tick down to zeros with the Heat still leading. And a second Larry O'Brien trophy would now be rerouted in the Heat's direction.
5: Sold, having a parade for the third time, down Biscayne,
6: Boulevard. LeBron would win his second straight finals MVP trophy, leading the Heat in minutes by almost seven a game, and leading them in points, rebounds, assists, and steals, also by fairly wide margins.
5: The 2013 Bill Russell NBA Finals most valuable player for the second straight finals, LeBron James.
6: Miami was getting used to this feeling too. And in this moment in time, everything that was promised in that rock star celebration was reaching fulfillment. It was as good as they'll ever feel on a basketball court together. We had to give everything we had, and we did it. I ain't got nothing left. (laughs) James Wade and Bosch were repeat champions.
10: It was the overcome of all the challenges that we had, all the hard work that we put into it, all the sacrifices, all the blood, sweat, and tears throughout the whole season, man. And um, this is the way you want to be rewarded. LeBron is Mr. Do-Whatever-It-Takes. And his knack now for making big plays and big shots in big games, can't nobody say nothing about it. He scores 37 points, he grabs 12 rebounds, he dishes out seven assists, he guards Tony Parker. He is today's greatest player. For us, you know, it's about doing what we came together to do, and that is to win championships, and uh, we've been able to do that. And now we are part of history. Man, champagne was cold, burned, uh, but it's just a sweet feeling. Back in that position again, um, it was like deja
6: vu. Everybody was just hugging, telling everybody we love them, man, and, you know, that's what it's about. For the role players like Mario Chalmers and Udonis Haslam, their names will always be linked to winning at this level also. It's not just superstars who create legacies in this association that's been around for more than 75 years. Um, the way we won it, it was definitely one of those, like, OK, this is
4: this solidified us as a team, you know, because we did this together as a team to come back. It wasn't Brian hitting this shot. It wasn't D-Wade doing this. It was CB getting a rebound. Ray hit a shot. I had 20 points that game. Like, everybody did their part for us to win. And I think that just showed us like, you know, as a team, we're one of the best teams to
11: ever do this. Like at the end of the day, the respect that I have in this league and around here is because I won. It's not because I'm a nice guy. It's not because I'm the oldest guy in the league. It has nothing to do with that. As much as these people in this organization love me, as much as these people in this city love me, if I didn't win, I would not be here. If I didn't win, I would not have the respect if I didn't win, I would not have the, the, the keys to the city of Miami and to be able to do and, and, and move and influence and impact. It's all built off winning.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours.
1: Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
12: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this.
13: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash for current rates, full-product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
5: And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's raise the 2013 NBA Championship Banner!
6: By the time the 2013-14 season began the Heat had effectively squeezed the fight out of the NBA's Eastern Conference. With the exception of the Pacers, who were a bit more dynamic thanks to the continued emergence of Paul George and the development of a former Mr. Basketball in New York, Lance Stevenson, there wasn't a ton of competition on their side of the standings. It was the West that looked like it would cook up a true rival for the two-time defending champs. The Western Conference had seven 50-win teams that regular season, compared to just two, Miami and Indiana, in the East. Kevin Durant would win the MVP award for the 59-win Thunder. Damian Lillard and LaMarcus Aldridge had the Trailblazers rolling. The Clippers had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and were now coached by Doc Rivers. And the Warriors won 51 games and were one year away from taking over the league for their own stretch. Then there were those darn San Antonio Spurs who dominated the regular season to the tune of 62 wins. Each win both chipping away at the pain of the previous finals and sharpening their edge for a potential finals rematch with the Heat.
5: San Antonio's won 13 in a row. Spurs 15th consecutive win and the Spurs with 18 straight wins. San Antonio, they're 10 deep and they play a system and play with a discipline that is just remarkable.
6: Miami, on the other hand, still had the game's most feared weapon somehow finding ways to improve his game. But the Heat weren't playing the game on the same razor's edge that the Spurs were this entire season. Here's Battier.
7: Look, for that team, it was three years of just so much intensity. Every single game on the road, every single game at home, it was an event. And I sense that that last year, just we weren't willing to do everything it took to stay at that level. And you just just can't cheat the championship, right? And so it wasn't like anything malicious, uh, but just like, you know, maybe running back on defense or diving for a loose ball. Things we would have done, um, you know, one more pass on offense. Things we would have done without thinking the the previous couple years. We just didn't do it. And we, we had enough of those plays where that's the difference in a little bit of slippage, you know, entering the equation. And that was the difference. That was the difference.
6: Unlike in 2011, when the team added Battier, or in 2012, when Ray Allen joined Miami, there wasn't a big-name addition to the 13-14 roster. Sharpshooter Richard Lewis would join the team at 34 years old. Michael Beasley would have another run with the Heat after he was one of the pieces traded away when Miami acquired James and Bosch. There was even a heartwarming reclamation project in former number one pick Greg Oden, as the search for competent big men continued to be a constant subplot for this Heat team. Odin's NBA return from a devastating knee condition only lasted 23 games with Miami, and the only real youth on the roster was at point guard with Chalmers and his backup Norris Cole. Brian Windhorst of ESPN regularly had his attention fixed on LeBron James, and he recognized this was a Heat team that would rely on James more than any of the previous. The free agents that they did sign and bring in were much older. And so they they just they didn't have a freshness to the roster that you kind of need. You know, the game isn't designed for the same team to go to the finals four years in a row. Your team kind of breaks down. And so the Heat were right at that stage. Dwayne Wade's knee had been bothering um, him throughout the entire season. It was being held together with, you know, therapy, tape stretching and some sort of painkillers he can get through. He was not at his best. And so they were really in a state where they could be taken advantage of. LeBron certainly wasn't breaking down. He set a career high in field goal percentage for the second straight season and shot a career best 62% from two-point range. His rookie year, LeBron shot 44% from inside the arc. In a March 3rd game in Miami against the Charlotte Hornets, Despite playing with a mask on to protect a broken nose, LeBron would show just how dominant he could be, scoring a career-best 61 points, which included eight three-pointers.
5: The first 60-point game in Miami Heat history. You know, LeBron very rarely is satisfied, by, but right now with a top coming off, he's, he knows he's done enough, he's getting the love. From the Heat Nation right now inside the American
4: Airlines region. 26 years of
5: Heat basketball. Tonight, the highest scoring game in franchise history, LeBron's 61, Majestic.
6: By the time the season ended, however, it would appear obvious LeBron would have to carry this group even more than he had the previous postseason even though James was at a stage in his career where he didn't need that much assistance. Wade and Bosh would both average their fewest points since their rookie seasons. The Heat's depth would be headlined by Battier, Anderson, Allen, and Lewis, who ranged from age 34 to 38. Despite all of that, the playoff run to the finals might have been the easiest for the Heat, as that beat-down Eastern Conference didn't nearly have as much fight left. A first round sweep of the Bobcats, followed by a five game win over the sixth seeded Brooklyn Nets, left Miami and Indiana facing off in a second straight conference finals. The Pacers did the same as the previous postseason, splitting the first two games in Miami and taking home court advantage back to Indianapolis. But the drama wouldn't really last in this series. The most made-for-TV moment came when Lance Stevenson, who played a somewhat reckless style and had already attempted to irritate by getting involved in a heat huddle, decided to try a softer approach to bothering LeBron. During a stoppage in play in Game 5, with LeBron next to him, hands on knees, Stevenson leaned over and softly blew into LeBron's left ear. After a moment to comprehend what had just happened, LeBron smiled with a look of slight disbelief.
5: Blowing in the ear of LeBron James and James' reaction. (laughs) He can't can't believe it.
6: The Heat eventually disposed of the Pacers in six games to advance to their fourth straight NBA Finals.
5: For the fourth consecutive year, the Miami Heat are heading to the NBA Finals. First team in 27 years to accomplish the feat.
6: And there were signs of growth happening around this team as well. Coverage of the Heat had calmed down a few levels from the insane fervor of the first two seasons. LeBron James had done enough to prove he was indeed one of the best players to ever play the sport, making criticizing him to the level that many did seem a bit silly in retrospect. There was probably no better example of how different the conversations were around LeBron and the Heat than that Game 5 against the Pacers. It'll be remembered for Stevenson being an irritant, and for the Pacers staving off elimination for one game with 24-year-old Paul George dropping 37 points. But does anyone remember LeBron also scored his playoff career low of seven points in that game? He was in foul trouble most of the game, playing only 24 minutes and going two for 10 from the field in a closeout game. If he had that exact same game two years earlier, it would have been an indictment of his ability to perform in difficult settings. Instead, it's merely a footnote. And LeBron has reached double figures in scoring in every playoff game he's played since. 130 of them, and probably counting. The next series, however, wouldn't allow for that kind of less-than-stellar play from James. In fact, the Heat would have to be sharper than ever if they were to defeat a Spurs team that would prove to be Miami's ultimate rivals in this four-year stretch.
13: Let's go, baby! Let's beat the Heat!
1: Let's go!
5: It's a finals rematch here in 2014 with the Miami Heat and looking to become the first to three-peat since the Kobe Shaq Lakers.
6: If you thought the Heat were determined the season after their loss to the Mavericks in the finals, what Miami did to the Spurs in 2013 was so devastating, it might have created the most determined team in NBA history. That, of course, sounds like hyperbole for a measurement that can never actually be taken, but it's hard to argue with the result. And as far as the Heat are concerned, it didn't feel like an exaggeration. These Spurs were so ready for the rematch after 62 wins and playoff series wins over the Mavericks, Blazers, and Thunder, that Mario Chalmers joked there might've been a Spygate situation happening in this series.
4: I'll say that San Antonio looked like they spent every day until that moment watching game six and watching the whole final series. Like, everything that we planned on doing, they knew what we were going to do, and they was a step ahead. So I, I take my hat off to them. It was like, like they had to bug our practice or something. They had to be in practice with us and know exactly what we was doing. It's just the way the way that they played us and the way they was on all of our adjustments on everything that we did, it was just like, Kind of like we didn't switch our game plan. We thought the same game plan that from the previous year would work the next year.
6: In truth, there probably wasn't a game plan that could have slowed these Spurs. Unlike the 2011 Finals, where you could argue Eric Spolster got outcoached by Rick Carlisle, or that the Heat would have won if LeBron had just played anything like his normal self, there wasn't much more either could have done to counter San Antonio this time. The two-time defending champs were still living the dream. The Spurs. We're fueled by nightmares. Here's Matt Bonner.
8: It, it felt like one of those things that would haunt your dreams forever, unless we came back and won it the next year. It was like everybody used that as motivation. Like you always hear these sports movies and books and stories, you gotta overcome adversity. That That's, we all we all knew, we all knew that. We knew like, all right, this is adversity. This is gonna make us stronger. We just need to use it in the right way. And I think if you ask anybody on that team from 2013, who was on the team the following year in 2014, it was like, it was like the Blues Brothers. We were on a mission from God. Like we are are gonna get back there and we are gonna make this right so that the rest of our life we don't have to Have that feeling in our gut every time the 2013 finals comes up in conversation.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours.
1: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight 8 hope or text hope ny four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut... Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com/bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
13: Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex Annuity is designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life, guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures
2: and disclaimers, and other important information. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.
6: Jackie McMullen spent time with the Spurs following the 2013-14 season, and wrote a story for ESPN documenting their journey from one finals experience against Miami to the next. Players described the pain they felt after the 2013 finals and how it affected them.
9: I, I think they were all just like, what, in fact, well after the fact, I remember Manu Ginobili tell me, it was the worst summer of my life after they lost that series. In fact, it was the only summer he didn't play for the Argentinian national team. He's like, I gotta go home and get myself right and come back and fix this because it's my fault. You know, everybody, like, great players, that's what they always say. It's my fault. What can I do to make sure this never happens again?
6: The Spurs, perhaps taking a page from the Heat's book, held their training camp at an Air Force academy, similar to Miami in 2010. It was the academy where Spurs coach Greg Popovich played basketball and earned his degree. But what Spurs forward Boris Diaw remembers more vividly was a meeting more effective than the setting of that training camp. It was the film session that occurred right before they left for the Air Force Academy.
10: Yeah, we thought we were going to get killed in that, in that Air Force base uh, preseason. Uh, but actually, no, it was actually a uh, uh, good atmosphere and everything. And the main thing that I remember is the first day that we started in training camp. And we actually in San Antonio before going to, to the base. Um, we go back to the film room and, and we watch the, the game. Uh, we watch the game six, uh, not the game seven. Uh, and I think we watched the whole second half, probably, if I remember correctly. So not just the last second of the game. And and the idea was attention to details, um, that if uh, we could avoid um, many mistakes, so not just the last second of the game, he wouldn't have go that far in the game. He wouldn't have go to the last second and, and to the possibility of Miami making a three at the last second. So um, we based this whole season, 2014, uh, 13, 14, of taking care of details and be paying attention and try to make as least the least mistake as possible.
6: While the Spurs were encouraging their aging veterans to play such refined basketball that it approached perfection, the Miami Heat were perfectly satisfied relying on LeBron James. Here's Battier
7: we got to the Spurs, we just were a tired team, just tired, just tired, right? just tired of each other, tired of the grind. And when we lost, uh, we knew that they were so hungry, we couldn't match, we couldn't match their hunger. They were so hurt, so hungry from the year before that we could not match their edge. But
10: well, we put ourselves in a position to compete for what we want to get. And we're here now. to so make it count. Yes, Every game is a game seven and treat it that way. Yes, so make a statement.
11: No, no, no. One, two, three. Four, five,
6: James was still driven by the bigger picture. Hoping he can carry this group past that fatigue built up over four straight seasons as one of the last two teams standing. The Spurs had a plan for James as well. It wasn't a secret that the Heat were older and relying more and more on LeBron. So on top of the usual plan that included encouraging him to take long jump shots, the Spurs also made sure their ball movement would tire LeBron. Statistically, there were signs of fatigue already. While LeBron was still ridiculously efficient in the 2014 playoffs, including shooting 41% from three, he also posted averages that are still playoff career lows to this day, with under five assists and just over seven rebounds. Here's Jackie McMullen.
9: Moving, moving, moving the ball. Recover, recover, recover. And for a, a Heat team that was kind of sneaky, sneakily getting older... That was a lot to ask, especially for a a big body like LeBron, who had to defend. If you ask him to defend like that in the mixer, recover, recover, move, hedge, 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 and handle the scoring load, they figured their best chance at beating the Miami Heat was to wear LeBron down. And how do you do that? You put him in the mixer, you shoot threes. They were, do you remember this, Israel? Shooting pull up three pointers, pull up three pointers. Because that was going to keep Miami moving, out of their comfort zone, make LeBron work so much harder than anyone had ever made him work.
6: And just to make sure LeBron's extra tired, maybe put that mixer in an oven? That's kind of what Game 1 of the 2014 Finals in San Antonio felt like. I was sitting atop the lower bowl of the AT&T Center, in a row with other media members. As a South Floridian, heat and humidity are practically my relatives. So much so, you don't even notice when they're around sometimes. But by the third quarter of this game, even I had to shed a layer and wonder why it was so warm in this building. As folks around me also started to lose clothing and drip sweat, it became obvious there was something wrong with the air conditioning. Some had noticed before the second half, including LeBron James. I'm
7: gonna need some cold water now. They're
11: trying to smoke us out of here.
6: In the third quarter, the Spurs announced the air conditioning failure to the crowd.
9: An electrical failure for the power that runs the AC unit is malfunctioning. A hot
6: at center, to say the
5: least. Hot and steamy.
6: The game was still very much up for grabs, as the teams traded the lead throughout the period, which ended with Miami leading by two. For the Heat, it felt like a sweaty race against the clock. The team knew LeBron had cramping issues. It happened in a perfectly cool American Airlines arena during the 2012 finals. So this felt like an inevitability. Here's Chalmers.
4: Uh, You can definitely see that coming just because you know he cramped up before. I don't know how he cramped up, but it's just one of those things like no matter what you do, no matter how much potassium you take or whatever things you do to prevent cramps, it was that hot in that gym that if you're not really prepared, you're going to cramp. And I just think that's, that's what happened to him and he went down at a crucial moment.
6: LeBron first left the game at the 7.31 mark of the fourth quarter, with Miami hanging on to a two-point lead.
5: James crossover move, drives to the rim and finishes. And hobble up, he's cramping up again, Mike.
6: He is looking over at the
5: training staff and saying he can't move, reading his lips. He said he yeah. can't move and said they're, they're literally going to carry LeBron James over to the Miami bench.
6: As he was getting treatment and drinking fluids, it only got hotter in the building. Shane Battier recalls having to escape the halftime locker room just for relief. He also joked with the Spurs shooting coach, Chip England, about the Spurs being better prepared for the situation.
7: It was the hottest, the hottest room of ever. It was like hot yoga hot. And like the, the arena was hot. We go into the locker room and there was they had no fans for us. And I know the Spurs had fans in there, in there. So I'm close, I'm close to Chip England. That's my guy. I said. You guys, you guys could have given us a fan, man. That's that's messed up. So that's messed up. So, like, it was so hot, you couldn't even be in the locker room. So you a- actually had to go back to the hot arena just to
6: escape the heat of the locker room. Boris Diaw often wears an engaging smile. And he certainly had one on his face when discussing this heated contest. Yeah, it was a hot day. <laughs> start sweating a lot, and you get dehydrated, and
10: um, you just feel the, the heat. Um, but also maybe, maybe maybe it was an advantage for us against that team because uh, a lot of guys play internationally and internationally we don't have AC and <laughs> we play in the summer. So summer basketball and European Championship and World Cup and we play so many games with no AC every summer basically and, and we just, you know, get used to. Uh, so few players, you know, in our team um, knew or were used to that. Matt
6: Bonner was not one of those players.
8: You know, I'm not a big heat guy. I'm from New Hampshire. Uh, I know, yeah, I went to University of Florida and I've been in San Antonio, but I just don't operate well when it's hot. And it wasn't just hot, it was humid, too. People forget that about San Antonio. They think, oh, that dry heat like Vegas or Phoenix. It's like, no, it's it's not like that. It's muggy hot down here. And it was muggy hot in the arena. And I I remember just sitting on the bench sweating thinking like oh my god like if coach pop puts me in the game i might not be able to get up and down the court three times before i like pass out how are all how are these guys playing 40 minutes uh, in this in these conditions it it is just from a physical standpoint i was amazed by all the guys who, who played like significant minutes in that game with their ability to endure that it, you know, the one thing I will say it was the same conditions for both teams.
6: LeBron would attempt to play one more time, coming into the game at the 4.33 mark with the Heat now trailing by four. He'd hit a layup after driving past Boris Diaw on the very first possession, but he wouldn't even be able to walk back inbounds without asking for a substitution. He eventually, slowly, limped his way back to the bench.
5: And he can barely, can't even make it down the floor. It's a five on four eric spolstra asking for the foul patty mills struggling with it and there's the foul james couldn't even make it down the floor and james is gonna have to be helped over we've seen him again cramp up before and in playoff situations but it never seemed to be this severe and again you wonder how much the lack of air conditioning and the heat in this building is coming into play with this and everything else
3: oh there's no doubt that this has had a huge impact on this game
6: There were thermometers in the building that had temperatures in the 90s in the AT&T Center. Add in the natural anxiety of a finals game, with everyone watching to see if and when LeBron would come back, and there was no recovering from this. That meant the heat couldn't recover either. The Spurs flipped their magical switch to finish that game, despite the climate, on a 16-4 run, with 12 of those points coming off three-pointers that were the result of beautiful ball movement it was a sign of things to come.
5: 30-9 run San Antonio since trailing 86-79. It's Green. Again, Danny Green from downtown. The San Antonio Spurs take Game 1 of the 2014 NBA Finals.
6: For the Heat, it was just another Game 1 loss in the Finals, their third straight. Miami would recover and win the previous two championships, so there wasn't much about Game 1 that had the team scared. Miami had the built-in excuse of the temperature causing LeBron to effectively miss the final seven minutes of what was a close game. LeBron and the Heat hadn't lost back-to-back playoff games since the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. And we all remember how LeBron responded to that in a Game 6. This would be a Game 2. But LeBron still had the motivation to recover from the cramp game, a situation he was still heavily mocked for on social media Despite articles being written about how debilitating cramps can be, just win. It's automatic. Do whatever it takes to win. And a motivated James in a fully air conditioned arena was still a scary proposition.
5: Domer's kicks it out, Lewis. James on the attack, goes to the rim. LeBron James wanted a foul as well. Impressive move. Take that, Doc. The first half, most of it was in the paint, now starting to go from the perimeter, another three. That's good! LeBron James, four straight jumpers, two of them from downtown, and the Heat back up by two.
6: James also had some help from Bosh and Wade to seal the deal.
5: Bosh, shot clock down to eight. Bosh going to go to the rim. Inside Wade, layup and good! What a comeback by the Heat!
6: By the final buzzer, it was another Game 2 Finals recovery for Miami and another stellar performance from a fully recovered LeBron. 35 points, three of three from three, 10 rebounds, three assists, and two steals in a two-point Heat win.
5: And that's the ball game! The Miami Heat even the series!
6: A three-peat still felt very much doable. Home court advantage was Miami's now. And in this new 2-2-1-1-1 finals format, the Heat wouldn't have to win three straight home games to maintain it. They'd only have to win two before heading back to San Antonio. And after the Spurs lost game two, with LeBron's early exit helping them win game one, the Spurs were a bit concerned. Their PTSD from the previous season would start to bubble up.
4: We were up one with uh, one minute and a half to go and we just couldn't make the shot to, to go, to um, come up on top. You know. Um, We had a great opportunity.
6: But Greg Popovich would make one adjustment that would make this Spurs game two loss feel like a tiny stumble instead of a monumental missed opportunity. That adjustment would come in the form of Boris Diaz. Through the first two games of the series, Spurs starting point guard Tony Parker seemed to be playing just fine, averaging 20 points and seven and a half assists. But Popovich still found a way to get the team's offense flowing even more by giving Parker another point guard the
10: split game um kind of put us on our heels uh you know being at home and, and giving one away uh and now going into miami basically we didn't have a choice uh it, it became you know must win game and so um the game three the motivation was there um i think pop put me in the in starting five um in that game uh to move to to move the ball um you know, one of of the thing that Miami was doing, they were really pressing Tony and focusing on Tony, double team, try to get the ball out of his hand. Uh so it was just, you know, acting as a as a release for him, as a, you know, almost like a um a second point guard, uh, because Tony was like double team and trapped on the side and and um trying to make the decision on the other side. Um and so that that gave us some freedom to actually move the
6: ball and accelerate the ball behind pick and rolls. The move was supposed to unlock the best version of the Spurs. The perfect basketball Diao said the team was attempting to achieve all season would be required for San Antonio to overcome the heat. If the Spurs were going to reveal the beautiful game and finally overthrow the champs, however, they'd have to start the process at the scene of their most stunning trauma. Bonner and his determined team were headed back to Miami.
8: Like, to this day, when I hear the baseline for Seven Nation Army, it takes me right back to their arena in the finals in 13 and 14. That was like their their anthem. Uh, It it was just such an uh, electric atmosphere to be a part of.
6: It was awesome. On the final episode of Four Years of Heat.
8: And then we came out, that game four is really the game where we, we
7: ripped our hearts out. I probably should've retired after I hit six threes in game seven the year before. (laughs) Looking back at it, I probably should've gone off, just walked off.
4: They ran out of villains. Like it was originally the media and the noise, and then it was losing to Dallas. And then, you know, how are we gonna get past this? How are we gonna get past that? Once they got past everything, they ran out of things to
12: hate
2: without that Miami experience LeBron James would be a completely different player a completely different human
12: that team would have been a historic underachiever if not for that shot one title would not have been enough
6: four years of heat is a production of iHeartRadio and the NBA step into the world of power loyalty
12: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore.